world wanting workers won't work with wandering wilting weepers. Why won't women wait when we want? <laughs> what? Why worry? Whoa! What's up, Scott? Oh, Sam. How you been, man? I'm doing good. How it's you good been? good to hear. Everybody, welcome. Welcome to this fine episode of Nerdcyclopedia, the podcast for nerds and nerds that love letters. Nerds do love letters, Scott. That's what I heard. <laughs> That's oh. what you heard. That's what I heard from the nerds. From the nerds. They're letter people. You're the letter people, just like the Sesame Street people. Or was that, a, <laughs> or was that Electric Company? Uh, I think Sesame Street and Electric Company maybe ah, both did letters. Okay. Um, so this is brought to you by the letter W today. <laughs> brought to you uh, by the letter is, W. And this is in, in the uh, very likely event that you've accidentally started listening to this podcast. Uh, this is this is Nerd Cyclopedia, and uh, we are a podcast that talks about nerd culture one letter at a time. Um, today will be W, and I am Scott, and I am Sam, and welcome. We now have you in our charming grasp. Fully, fully clinched. <laughs> White knuckled and all. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're not letting go. <laughs> we aren't. And so we're broadcasting for you from, uh, I'm in the suburb of the city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I know Sam's in a similar location. It's still wintertime. Snow's falling. Yep. And uh, it's it's not ironic that it's cold. It's uh, pretty expected that it's cold because hell must have frozen over because the Eagles won the Super Bowl last night. <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, oh, man. So that's something we are dealing with. That's the end of sports talk today. Sports talk, <laughs> right there. I'm Nerd Cyclopedia. <laughs> All right. So, um, what we got this week, Scott? Well, I want to start out with an omission from last week. So I re-listened to the cast from uh, for the letter V, and uh, it turns out that I did not know the name of the town from It's a Wonderful Life, and that is Bedford Falls. Ooh, okay. Um, so you know, Bedford Falls is the name of the town before it's Potterville. I just wanted to say that ruined a bit for me. It was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life, and uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so that's my Even bad. nerds do make mistakes. Yes, even though we don't admit it very easily. No, we don't. Uh, so thanks to everyone that pointed that out for me. Uh, all of you uh, repeatedly pointing it out to me. <laughs> at, with the hashtags, hey, Scott, just coming quick and fast. Yeah, they've been flying at me. Um, and I did want to mention, you know, when we do the podcast, we do leave some things out because there's only – some letters have too many topics and some aren't, aren't like that. But V had several topics we missed. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to say that we're going to be coming back to them, you know, Voldemort specifically from Harry Potter. So um, just want to let everyone know, uh, you know, we're planning on season two being more deep dives. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Yes. Um, but we're moving on. All right. And it is time for W. 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 A president? A movie about a president? A letter? And hey, that, also two, that was two actually dudes. a good movie, too. What? Yeah, Josh Brolin was good as, yeah. as, as George Bush. It was a good yeah. movie. Thanos and, um, you know, Bush <laughs> in good company. <laughs> Maybe that's what Bush was doing in Iraq. He was looking for the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. I heard the stones. I heard Babylon's got an Infinity Stone. All right. Yeah, that's some stand-up comedy from 2007, everybody. Welcome. Good. 
Yeah, oh, you gotta be it. cracking up, buddy. <laughs> oh man. Oh, Thanos in the White House, buddy. Yeah, that's Ooh. right. All right. So yeah, we got the W's going today, and um, like Scott said, we have um, W is actually plentiful as far as um, in in nerd culture. You know, it's rich, with, rich territory. Yeah, sure. rich, rich, rich territory. Of, and, and like Scott said, it's we're 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 going to go through you know a few things and um, save some other stuff for later. Mm-hmm. But uh, what do we want to start off with? In the well, first, you know, the last I checked, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there still is not a sponsor for an encyclopedia. <laughs> no. And we have been asking around. I've called literally like four people. Okay. Already. Four people. Okay. Four people. Mm-hmm. And um, so far, no takers. Okay. <clears throat> so. Not companies, um, just people. Just people. Not okay. just like, hey, do you want to, you know, I figure someone's looking for a girlfriend or something. They advertise <laughs> with. Actually, probably better off advertising for us if you're looking to uh, to sell, uh, you know, uh, overpriced toy collectibles to, you know, geeky people with too much money. That's probably actually <laughs> like our demo. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's just based on what I know about us. Right. Um, <laughs> So, uh, as you know, when we do not have a sponsor, uh, here at Encyclopedia, we like to do an ad for some random crap that I see uh, around my office. So today, we'll be doing, let's see here, what do I got? I'm really looking, hold on, I'm looking in drawers, guys. Like, today we'll be doing, ah, this is a blast from the past, you ready? Mm-hmm. Floppy disks. <laughs> Floppy disk. Hey, everybody, Scott here from Encyclopedia. Hey, have you ever wanted to transmit a very tiny amount of information physically from one place to another and every other piece of possible media on the internet is not around? Well, have I got a deal for you. It's called a floppy disk. It's not even floppy. In fact, it's a three inches wide and it can have almost nothing on it. That's it. That's all I got for floppy <laughs> But that's the type floppy of hype disk. we can generate for your product here at Encyclopedia. Wow. And we are easy to bribe. Yes, 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 we are. <laughs> All right, so so that's enough housekeeping. So let's jump right in into the uh, the topics. And um, where would you like to start today, Sam? What do you want to start? Uh, I want to start with one of my favorite, favorite pieces of um, comic literature of the mm-hmm. past, what, let's say, what, 30 years? Okay, yeah. Um, Actually, I don't know. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if it's 30 years if, old or if, not. I think if, it might be slightly older than 30 years. Say it's about well, yeah, maybe right around there, you know. Yeah. Um, and that is Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Make sure mm-hmm. we mention that. Um, Watchmen. Yes. <laughs> One of pre well, the preeminent um, um, novels or graphic novels, I should say, in um, in comic you know comic book history, alongside the Dark Knight, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. So when you look at adapt or adaptations. Uh, which is what the movie came from, um, you know, as far as what came before it. You know, Watchmen was really groundbreaking as far as its um, its de- the depiction of a super- or deconstruction, I should, should, should say, of superheroes. Yes. Um, in 86, when it came out, I remember um, I wasn't that interested in it. <laughs> because I didn't know what I didn't recognize any of the heroes. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a Batman. It wasn't Superman. It wasn't anybody I recognized before. Um, so I really held off on really um, reading it 
because at the time I was really young and I guess my maturity level wasn't really <laughs> it wasn't really at, you know, at that point in time where I was excited about reading a, a dense book such as that until oh, yeah. I really got into like, you know, my high school years. And then, you know, I think I picked it up from the library mm-hmm. and, you know, just really dug into it and it transformed my life. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the really, the one thing that really struck me was, um, the smiley face with the blood on it. <laughs> I thought it was just a great, like, uh, what do you want to call it? You know, complex parrot, uh, if you want to call it a paradox or, you know, just one thing, uh, a smiley face with blood on it was just two sides, just just smacking into each other you mm-hmm. know when when you think of blood you think of you know injury and you know something bad associated with it um on top of a smiley face right and this was one of the first images in the first you know couple pages well actually the first page when the um smiley face is on the ground and is getting washed away by uh, um you know the uh, a storefront um mm-hmm. a, you know an owner or a storefront and it was owned by the comedian you know, mm-hmm. so the comic book starts off with him, um, um, him already dead. <laughs> and so then, to set the stage mm-hmm. for people that that don't know what Watchmen is, Watchmen's a it's a graphic novel, and it's about what what it's attempts to apply a sort of real world and, and like consequence and time to the superheroes of the golden age, right? Yeah. So so whereas you know the Batman comics, and if you read the old 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 Batman's, and I mean like the pre Robin. Batman's. There are all these noirish, darkish tales where Batman is, you know, he's a vigilante and he's, you know, he he kills a couple people in him, right? Like, it happens. (laughs) You run around in a suit and kick people in the head. Eventually, someone's going to die, right? So, so those characters were sort of cleaned up, right? For the 40s. And I think what's really neat about Watchmen is that it applies sort of a, a literary lens to those sort of characters and sort of thinks about what the real world implications of or the logical implications of these sort of superpower beings, right? Right. Um, and, and, and what's nice about Watchmen is that, you know, there is only one actual superpower being in the story. Right. You know, everybody else is just kind of metahuman, right? Like a Batman-esque. Right, right. D- some doc- some, d- some doc- facet Manhattan. of Batman. Yes. So they're all some facet of Batman or some, some slightly like lean on Batman one way or the other. You know, Ozymandias has his intelligence and his mm-hmm. dexterity. You know, the comedian has his his unrelenting, you know, lust for violence, <laughs> which I guess is just an aspect. You know, of not a, not that you say that. I never really thought about it like that. They are mm-hmm. really a lot of most of the characters, and there are variations on Batman. <laughs> mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Rorschach so, is his obsession. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Night Owl is his gadgetry. Yep. And then uh, you know, <laughs> that's uh, really good, Scott. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> I mean, after all these years, I mean, you would have thought that would have been something I would have picked up. But um, no, that's that's really a good interpretation of that. So in a lot of cases, like, and I've done some, I've done some, you know, this is not, you know, not obviously very good, but I've done some critical work on Watchmen when I was in school. Oh, wow. So I, I, I got awesome. to pick a, I got to pick a literary, you know, work mm-hmm. and deconstruct it and sort of talk about it a lot. And I like Batman a lot. And obviously I'm the comic book nerd. Is, Did the teachers uh, any, make fun of you? Did the teachers make fun of me? No, because the teachers knew better. Okay. Uh, than to try something like that. I don't like being made fun of. In uh, <laughs> the Christian Bell voice. These aren't hockey pads. Like, we know you're wearing a regular shirt. This is class. Stop saying that. Uh, <laughs> but that's one of the really great things about Watchmen is it sort right. of says, you know, it says these people were mass and they were, you know, 
they were beating people up, and then they started dying, right? Like, like the Minutemen in the 1930s mm-hmm. were, were getting killed. Like, Dollar Bill was wearing a cape, and it got caught in the door, and he just got blown away by the guys who were robbing a bank. Right. And, uh, you know, what, the, what was it? The uh, the moth went crazy? Is that what the moth guy had wings? Um, went nuts? Yeah, I think he was called the moth. Yeah, um, so so those dudes, like, uh, that's like the older version. And then... And then you know, as time moved on, the comics and sensibilities changed in America. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the second generation of superheroes, which is sort of like the, uh, you know, the Sally Jupiter and um, or, or suspect the second the second uh, Silk, Silk Spectre. Yeah, comedian comes back, but he's very different than how he was in the '30s mm-hmm. when he had this like that veneer, right? And he was almost like a sidekick. Right. By the time he comes of age, and um, uh, you know, but by the time that he's you know uh, older, like an older statesman, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's just much more violent, much more direct, much more involved in politics. Right. And this is a reflection of how comics changed at the end of the '60s and '70s, where you had mm-hmm. comics commenting on real world things like Vietnam and the drug epidemic. And so the well, superhero sort of he was the agent of the government, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so Edward Blake was going, he went to Vietnam to try to win the Vietnam War for mm-hmm. Nixon. Right. Because uh, he loved Nixon so much. Yeah, who eventually uh, got a third term. <laughs> he did get, he got like eight terms. He was still the president at 85 in that universe, you know? Yeah. Um, but then Dr. Manhattan shows up. And then what? what's great is that Alan Moore is able to experiment with what it would be like if this sort of all-powerful being showed up. And what it would do to the psychology of humanity and what it would do to, you know... Um, uh, the war, the Vietnam War, for instance, right? How, right? how it would change the tide of it? And how, yeah, he shows how up for like six minutes. Interpret it, you know. Yeah, he shows America. up for like six minutes and just wastes mm-hmm. everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just is, like uses all his powers to the fullest and like the ends of the war in like like six minutes. Yeah, um, America was happy that they had their Superman, and it was Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, God is a what is that one dude says? Like God's an American, right? Right. You know right, he exists, right. and he's an American. Uh, so, so those are some of the really neat, really neat things about Watchmen to me, and 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 um, like you said, you know, comic book medium had been a very, um, you know, the comic book medium had been a very sort of stale medium for a very long time, you know, uh, in the eighties, and when this came out, you know, Watchmen and Dark Knight mm-hmm. Returns, those two comics came out, and they really were the change of an epoch, and they were they signaled that comic book fans had become more mature. Right, right. Um, taking characters that have been long established, well, taking ideas that have been long established throughout, mm-hmm. like um, you know, recent history, as far as like as far going as far as back when Superman first you know appeared, right, and take putting them into like a um, where everything was pretty much straightforward as far as like a beginning, middle, and end as far as um, stories that were being told. Watchmen came in at a point where it actually introduced or it introduced a nonlinear narrative where it would mm-hmm. jump back and forth, you know, through like, you know, space, time and plot, you know, it would start out at one point, but um, it started off with the, um, the death of the you know, comedian and yep. it really told the story backwards and then it went forward. Um, and then, you know, it ended up in, it ended, it ended up ending on a, um, a downward plot, <laughs> a <Right>. downward point. <laughs> but um, but it really, it, they really deconstructed the whole super, you know, superhero narrative. Yeah, and they employed other literary, you know, sort of literary conventions that aren't present in comic books because the medium is just not designed to to sort of have that sort of time shifting and sort of vi- and it's designed for more visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. So sort of the complicated ideas that they they foster here 
where they talk about you know switching between the 39 reality the 68 reality 1985 right. and how they tell you know even just the origin story of dr manhattan how they just how osterman describes himself as a watchmaker and he's like this physicist and then he just reconstructs his whole body but you you the you you sort of experience this life you know dr manhattan's life like he does which is all at once right right he doesn't conceive time as being a linear thing right um which is which is super interesting and what's what's unique about about Watchmen as as far as when it came out is that Moore was able to, you know, he was able to utilize um, literary conventions to tell stories in, a, in an unorthodox way that sort of got you the point, it got got you the effect of what you were looking for, right? Right. So whereas before, like Superman's first story is he breaks into the governor's house to save some woman that's on death row, right? That's like so that's like the first story. It's in Superman. It's in uh, Action Comics one, right? Right. So. Whereas Superman, you know, they show you this linear thing. There's a goal. There's a point. There's all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But Doctor Manhattan just fixes the problem, right? Like Doctor Manhattan doesn't feel the need to, to appeal to the authorities because he right. just knows the truth. So like he walks in, you know, he just blows people up. <laughs> he just explodes them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean his um, sense of, um, you know, things are pretty much just mundane to him, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's really black and white. There's really no gray area to, um, you know, to what. Dr. Manhattan's thoughts were, you know, it was either this or that. And when he got into, um, it was, it was even impressive to me how they even let, uh, what was her name? The, the Sil Spectre, um, Lori, they let her be a, give him a tinge of grayness, you know, because eventually, um, he didn't start out like that. He eventually over time, he ended up being sort of just, you know, things are not that complicated. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to leave earth because it's just so much crap going on um, <laughs> and go create my own um, world and everything. And then he let Lori, you know, into his heart, you know, and, and, and sort of created that sort of gray area for him when he was at that point of just seeing everything black and white. So that was just yeah. an interesting, you know, juxtapose as far as, you know, what other superheroes, they were just going through their turmoils and everything through that, um, throughout the story well they also explored explored what happens when you know what does having powers do to your soul mm-hmm. which is another interesting thing because like you said um, when he's with Laurie Laurie's like tethering him to his humanity he's right. tethering it's tethering him to reality and so when she leaves him that's it he's like that's it that's the last string I'm done and you can see this because he doesn't really wear clothes right like Dr. Right. Manhattan's totally nude the whole time in the comic book but when you think about it it would be like sort of you know what's the point? Like anything he touches, he can make any matter whatever he wants. He has total yeah. control. That, so what would he be putting a jacket on for? Really, he only puts it on for like like TV interviews and stuff like that. Right? Exactly. I mean, that was his point. What's the point? You know, why should I wear under? Why should I wear anything? You know, this is this is what I am, and I have no ties to any type of um, you know um, reservations like real people do. You know, right. or like normal human beings or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, yeah. Think about it like he doesn't have a sunset on his timeline, right? Mm-hmm. So they say that humanity, like we can only conceive of time in like 100 year chunks. Like that's it. That's <laughs> as far as we can think, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. So when you think of a sun, because that's as far as long as you can really expect to live as a human. Right. But it's different for him. I mean, if he, you know, a project that would take a thousand years for him isn't, you know, a 10 generation project. It's just his project. That's just because he doesn't conceive of time in that manner. You know, so he sees things as, as he doesn't see things as intrinsically good and evil. It's just is you mm-hmm. know phenomena. So he talks about all that stuff. It's a really um, it's a really it's a really great comic book, and I, and I, we almost don't even want to get too much into the plotting because it's so good. Like there's a, the ending is it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, the ending it's, of this comic book is 
quite frankly, just it's terrifyingly logical and awesome. Yeah, we won't spoil anything, even mm-hmm. though that the comic's been out or the graphic novel's been out for so long. But um, yeah, it's a really it's a really great um, graphic novel, especially for beginners just you know getting into like the comic book universe and wanting some level of maturity as far as like their um, their material and everything. Um, we'll actually be going, me and Scott, we're actually going to be doing a doomsday, um, clock podcast that, that talks about the, um, and that's a series DC is, um, that just came out with, um, that goes into like the, it's, it's a sequel to the Watchmen, you know, and and it's basically about what happens if watch the Watchmen universe meets the regular DC universe. So Mm -hmm. we'll be going through that soon. So teaser. Yeah, it's going to. It's going to be real cool. Probably do a whole, maybe a couple episodes on this just to do them to, you know what I mean? Set the table even just for that. So Mm -hmm. maybe even the, the, there's some prequel stuff too. Um, I I do want to move on now to something else that uh, related. Okay. Uh, That's the Watchmen movie from 2008, Ah, which uh, we're going to go ahead and do the, uh, this segment is called uh, stop the podcast right now and go watch it. But in this case, it's because we want to torture you. The movie was not so great. Um, <laughs> but there's some interesting visuals in it. And, um, you know, uh, I think that's because Zack Snyder really is a movie. Uh, he's like a music video director. Yeah. And so he's, like, Snyder, he's yeah. good at montaging. <laughs> he's good at like like big like visual reveals. Right. But plotting and pacing and other stuff isn't really um, Well, they, that, that, that was, he, he sort of um, just... Um, when he, when he came out with three hundred, that was one thing, and that that yeah. that was really a good movie for what its subject matter was, and it didn't really, exactly. really have to go into like a whole bunch of deconstruction and everything. He he was he ended up being the wrong director, I, in my opinion, in my humble yeah. opinion, he ended up being the wrong director for this type of material. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he's great at visuals, um, his visual style for this we're talking about for Watchmen was the wrong, it was just overly dramatic. And, um, and I, I, I'm sorry, not overly dramatic. It was overly stylized. It was to, for the source material to be what it was. Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons wasn't going for stylization, which is what Zack Snyder was. And maybe it's what the studio wanted based on a lot of other comic movies that were coming out. They wanted some sort of stylization, which is, which is what Zack Snyder brings to the table based on what he did with um, 300. Now, mm-hmm. um, it's based on the material itself, um, to say that it was outright trash, it's, it's not off to me, it's not awful, but it's not great. You know, right. uh, there's a, actually a ultimate director's cut that sort of fits a lot of other stuff in, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of fleshes a lot of things out and makes a, better cohesive complete story than what the two hour two and a half hour movie version was but that that ultimate version was four hours long <laughs> yeah you can't sit there for four hours you, you know you can't sit there you no one is going to sit there in a four hour this is this is not the days of the godfather back in the 70s where you sit in a theater for three you know three and a half hours um yeah. and you know just just you know sit and watch a movie so um uh, with that being said um you know, the movie was okay. And like Scott, you know, in Scott's opinion, probably much less than okay. <laughs> I think that the real issue that I have is there's a couple things. So we talked about how much I like the ending of the comic. They changed it for the movie needlessly, right. first of all. <clears throat> because because it just made a lot less sense. Right. So it just wasn't as good. Right. And um, I just think that 
the the conversion of um, Doctor Manhattan from the comic medium, mm-hmm. where his penis was not distracting, <laughs> uh, to uh, <laughs> to uh, the movie where it very mm. much was distracting, uh-huh. uh, didn't really translate well. Okay, um, I think that's just the difference in mediums. Yeah, but I think that much. was the wrong choice to have his penis be so prominent. I mean, if you were asking if you if you were asking me. I will tell you that a minimal amount of penis is the amount of penis I wanted in a movie. If, if, I'm, if I'm being clear, so a little to none, you know. But <laughs> it, it is what it is based on the source material. So, you know, I mean, that just was, it's just it was distracting. I'm just gonna say it like that. Um, but I didn't hate them. I don't. I guess I shouldn't say it's garbage. But it, it's the, it's got all the same flaws every Zack Snyder movie has, right? It yeah. looks okay, but it looks like it looks like it, it's set designed out, you know. And it's almost like all the sets are sort of like, um, like at, right out of the actual, like the sets and everything are out of the actual um, comic book. The comic book, yeah. but all the characters and like their costumes are all out of like newer superhero movies, right? Yeah. So it's almost in direct. It's almost a direct slap in the face it's, of what uh, the uh, they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Alan Moore pretty much stated this is unfilmable. You know, you can, this <laughs> yeah. is this, this will not work in in a movie. You know, and it doesn't work in a two hour movie. The Watchmen does not work. Right. You cannot, as, as dense as that material was, you cannot fit that all into a two, two and a half hour movie. Mm-hmm. You, can't just, mm-hmm. you just can't. So no. in that aspect, he was right. Now, um, another thing I did want to break, you know, bring up before we move forward is yeah. that um, uh, Damon Lindelof is trying to bring this material to HBO. So yeah. that's supposed to come out. Maybe sometime later this year or 2019, HBO is doing a pilot for, you know, Watchmen. And who knows how that is going to go. But mm-hmm. it's more it's more it fits more on a um, on a um, what I want to say here on an episodic um, basis than what a two hour movie would display. So right. we'll see how that comes out. Yeah, I mean, I ju- you just got to you just got to. You gotta check it out. Watchmen's a an all time pillar of things that we love here on Encyclopedia, the nerdiness, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I just feel like you gotta see it. This might be the longest we've talked about any one single topic, by the way, to start a show. <laughs> yeah, to uh, start a we're show. Both so into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this could be its own podcast, but we'll move forward from here. <laughs> I mean, I know what the title of this one's gonna be, guys. <laughs> Pretty. I mean, much. I just I'm gonna tell you it's Watchmen. So uh, we're super, super, duper stoked about that. Right. Um. So yeah. So. So that's uh, that's Watchmen, all right. and uh, that is you know uh, an all time great, um, all time great uh, sort of uh, all time great crafting you know, novel. Oh, <clears throat> alarm's going off. Uh oh. What's that? Uh oh. What is that? Oh, you know what that is? That's the new Game of Thrones alarm. Yes. Going off for the first time on the podcast. How about that? Ah, so it's Game of Thrones, guys. So now we're going to talk about something with Game of Thrones. All right. And I got two options for you. Uh Uh-huh. One's character. One's geography. Okay. We did geography last week. What do you want to do this week? Uh, Let's talk about the Whites. The Whites! (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, uh, the Whites, White is spelled W-I-G-H-T. Okay. And they Mm. are uh, dead. AKA zombies. Yes. In this universe. The the Game of Thrones universe. So, White is a recently deceased body reanimated by the others, the White Walkers, the army of the dead that so many people spend so much time 
saying is going to come and destroy everything and then <laughs> you know it stays north for the most part and that's the end of the story uh, right nothing ever happens in westeros there's no no plots or twists or anything yeah yeah um, was, um the whites they've been um down and out for so long mm-hmm. um for thousands of years and they're and they recently have started coming back for some reason <laughs> yes so so the whites are are uh, animated by the power of the white walkers i'm gonna do some spoilers here guys i'm sorry like i, I just got to talk about it a little bit and i don't have a way to do that without spoiling some stuff so the first appearance of of a white is actually before the credits of the first episode of game of thrones and um they it's a little girl who comes back to life after being like stuck to a tree by the uh by the white walkers right right and the will the guy from the night's watch is like whoa what's this all about mm-hmm. and then uh dead bodies coming back to life so what's, what's interesting about that convention is that it gives the sense of urgency to all the other action in the story because people saying, oh, the army of the dead's coming and all this stuff's coming, right? The winter's coming. It's all true. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like if someone told you a ghost story and then like you knew for a fact the ghosts were real. Right. Which I dare you to prove that to me, by the way. I gotta... <laughs> <there's> a... <laughs> you know, uh-huh. uh, that's something that's really, really neat. And... Um, so the whites kind of come back to life, and they form the main body of the army of the dead. And, right. Uh, the Night King brings them and causes some havoc in the Westeros. Um, so that's that's the whites, and uh, that's the Game of Thrones alarm for you there. So that thing's working. Yes. Um. I mean, uh, a couple things with the whites is they don't they don't have a they're they don't have really a lot of character. I mean, they're pretty much if like Walking Dead zombies or whatever. But being that the Game of Thrones or we. Sh- the the uh, being that they're beings in Westeros and that there's so much dense stuff happening in that in that um <clears throat> excuse me in that story for um something like that to come about is a big thing you know oh, absolutely <laughs> um and since they were dead for so long it's is it's, it's as if it would be like in this world in like, like the real world if zombies were actually real yeah know? right <laughs> <laughs> it's the same way in that area you know and the way they did um that um, martin tells that story is very unique and very um it's it's a really good different take on it yeah and you can kill them with fire mm-hmm. and you can kill them with uh dragon glass i guess yeah and those are the things that kill them all right other than that that's it that's the list. I hope you enjoyed the list of things that can kill a white in the Game of Thrones universe. Oh, and Valerian Steel also. Oh, if I was about to say, you know, Valerian yeah, Steel yeah. kills. Yeah, so so that's it. Uh, that's why they're so scary. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a great scene in an episode called Hard Home mm-hmm. where um, the Night King sort of stands up and does the come at me, bro, and all the One you know all the recently scenes. dead come to life. <laughs> the four horsemen scene. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just terrifying. Oh it's man. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the Army of the Dead, the Whites. The Whites. Whites. All right. All right, so what else we got? We got, uh, uh you want to talk about wizards? Wizards? <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the, uh, the wizard stuff is like the nerdiest thing that I like. Because I like Harry Potter a lot. And, okay. And, uh, these are the, this is the type of wizards we'll be discussing. There's plenty of different types of wizards. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get into them later. Mm-hmm. The, there's the Middle Earth wizards. You know, there's Merlin. Uh, but we want to talk about Harry Potter because this is the, uh, you know, people that are nerdy tend to be into this stuff. And, yep. uh, you know, we want to talk about it a little bit. Right. So a wizard is a human being who is uh, sort of has magical powers. Right. And a wizard is kind of a male. Okay. 
uh, in the Harry Potter universe. So the witches are just a w- female wizards. But they have a different pronoun, just like to have women and men, and then we say mankind, right? Right. So that's the same deal here. Uh, the wizards, uh, you can sort of inherit magical power, okay? But magical power must be some sort of mutilation. Oh, I'm sorry, mutation. Good lord. Oh, mutilation. Woo! Whoa. That, that, that must be some sort of mutation. <laughs> they got to be damaged really bad. I, I was looking at pictures of zombies for like five minutes before this, guys. That is uh, funny. Yeah, this, this is a mutilation. We got to get rid of it. Uh, <laughs> That's the only way you get get your um, uh, wizard powers or right. wizard abilities. Right. So some of the differences between, you know, wizards are hard to kill because they can mm-hmm. pretty much just conjure whatever they need to survive. Because mm-hmm. uh, magic is magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and But they can get magical illnesses too. So they can get sicknesses they can't cure because of magic. Right. Uh, they live a lot longer than humans um, for those reasons. Because if you can cure cancer by flipping on a switch, you, ah, know, okay. you can live a lot longer. Uh, in the mid-1990s, they lived to be about 140 on average. Huh. Which is crazy long, right? Right. So this goes back to that. The thing we talked about in Watchmen, right? The generational memory, right? Right. So progress is slower, so they remember things a lot longer. So a lifespan for a wizard would be like from now until like the Civil War. Oh wow! So like we look at it, we look at it like now to World War Two, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the difference. Like they have that sort of they build that memory much slower than us, but it's much longer. Um, so so uh, one hundred thirty-seven and three quarter years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So they live for a long time. They do. They do uh, away school in England. Uh, a lot of the information we have about the Wizarding World is obviously focused on England because that's the place where. Uh, J.K. Rowling's from, right. <laughs> and that's where wizards are from. All right. Um, we've seen a little bit of American wizardry now because of uh, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Uh, so we've seen a little bit of that. The United States Wizarding Congress, or the Magical Congress, right? The Magicon. Um, and the wizards, you know, they interact with, with regular humans that do not have magical power. They call them muggles. But they sort of live in like a parallel, they like live in a parallel world that's sort of next to ours, but doesn't really intersect with ours, you know? Oh, okay. So they have like train stations and like, you know, you can get to the wizarding stuff by going into like, you know, uh, different secret passages that are activated by magic. Ah, okay. Uh, that's all over the place. And so uh, the idea is that after, a, after the, you know, a bunch of the witch trials of the late medieval period. Right. There was a decree that decreed that wizardry would be secret from the muggle world and there would be no overlap anymore. And so after that, it's now illegal to use, you know, magic in the presence of a regular human. Oh, okay. But sometimes, like, sometimes they will talk to each other. So, like, the, um, so, like, the prime minister of England will, or of Great Britain will sometimes meet with the minister of magic, the prime minister of wizarding England, you know. Right. Um, which is sort of nifty. And they'll say, like, well, all this stuff that you're getting blamed for, it's really our fault. Have a nice day. And that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much how that scene is. It's kind of funny. Okay. Um, but there's good wizards and bad wizards, obviously. They have a sort of a, a range of emotion and intent, just right. like human beings. Okay. And, um, you know, they have a lot of different fights and stuff. They get into all sorts of chicanery and, you know, teenage stuff in the books. And hmm. What's really neat about the Harry Potter books is they all take place in the 90s. So, like, Harry Potter 7 took place in 1997 and 98. I don't know if you know that about Harry Potter. Yeah, so it's not like it's, like, ancient history or anything like that, and it, and it took place, like, way back then. <laughs> oh, no. And, in fact, I would bet money, money, hard money, mm-hmm. that we're going to see more Harry Potter movies starring <laughs> the main cast as soon as they age up to meet the stories that J.K. Rowling's writing now. Oh, that's awesome. 
it'd almost be silly not to do it. I mean, like let's say you're uh, you're Rupert Grint, you play Ron Weasley on T, you know, in these movies forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really easy to get work if you're Rupert Grint now. So if I were him, I'd be calling her up all the time, be like, like oh, I've got some ideas for Ron. What about a Ron book? You think about writing something for Ron only? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, hopefully they could get some of those wizards. actors back. Oh, I'm sure they could just drive a. If they haven't gotten too famous. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they make dump trucks big enough to fill with money. Yes, they do. You know. We can't get that <laughs> they tend to do that in Hollywood. Come up with the big greens. They do. Uh, so I'm sure they can make that happen. As, uh, you know, all their movies keep making millions and millions of dollars. Right, right. Uh, so I'm not going to cry for any Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> Hollywood <at> people. <laughs> so uh, that's, uh, that's the Wizards. All right. Yeah. All right. What else we got in the W's? How about Wookiees? Wookies, <laughs> so Wookies um, are a race in Star Wars, and they are from the planet Kashyyyk. They are furry and tall, very very strong. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of tree climbing. They have claws, but they only use their claws for climbing, never for uh, fighting. So All that's right. that's uh, that's what they're for. Wookies were uh, enslaved after the Battle of Kashyyyk during the Clone Wars, right? And when a young Imperial officer noticed a Wookiee being mistreated, he intervened and saved the Wookiee, and that was Chewbacca and Han Solo. Okay. So Chewbacca is the Wookiee we know best. He's in all the Star Wars movies. Right. He does the... He's in everything. And he's like 250 years old. And uh, someone posited this. I saw this. It was really interesting. It's like... Mm-hmm. Like Han Solo is like Chewie's fourth dog. Think about it, like as a human. As to how long they live, you know? Uh-huh. But, like, you know, that's pretty much how. Yeah, so he owes, so he owes Han a life debt, but he knows, like, that'd be, like, you know, spending five years for us. You know, it's a little bit right. different for for the Wookiees. For the Wookiees, yeah. Yeah. And so they're they're very, very popular. People know the Wookiees mean, you know, uh, Star Wars. Uh, they would feature prominently in the worst piece of Star Wars ever made, <laughs> which would be the Star Wars Christmas special. Um, and so there was all this stuff was Life Day, right? Life Day on Kashyyyk, and Chewbacca had, like, a wife and a kid and stuff, and right. Han was still taking him out and doing all this crazy, dangerous stuff with him, you know? <laughs> Even though he's got a wife and kid. Oh, man, that Christmas special, man. For uh, I, I've, I've never seen it, but there's been so many legendary stories regarding that. But it's still part of um, it's still part of canon, though, right? What if you were watching Star Wars? It is, it is because George <laughs> Lucas did it, so it is. What if you were watching a Star Wars movie and B. Arthur started singing a song in the middle of it? <laughs> that literally happens. B. In Star Arthur, Wars Golden special. Girls. <laughs> yes, Maude. Oh man, she starts is... singing a song. It's like it's like the craziest thing you ever saw in your life. Really, the Star Wars. Oh, it's it was it was really trying to milk it back then, huh? Well, that's how they—that's how they were trying to milk it. Okay. Uh, but that's all, also the first appearance of Boba Fett, so it's not all bad. <laughs> but all the uh, all the live action stuff, uh-huh. you know, all the live action stuff is insane. <laughs> it's just—it's just crazy. That's good. All right. All right. So, um, what do we want to kick out this week? Mm. Oh man, I got a good one to kick out. All right, what do we got? We're gonna kick out Watto. Whoa. Who is a racist character from the Phantom Menace? Yes, <laughs> we're not talking about Jar Jar. No, no, this is much. This is much worse because Watto is is uh, Anakin's uh, uh, owner. Oh, okay. Uh, because Anakin is a slave in that movie, so he is a slave owner, mm-hmm. which makes him automatically not someone that you would want to associate with. <laughs> not a, uh, a slave master. No, 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 not not for me either. Uh, and then uh, he's got this like this big snout. You see, he's got a, that's like the most prominent feature on his face. Uh huh. 
and he keeps talking to he's talking to the uh, to Qui Gon Jinn, and he keeps saying like only money works on me, only money. He says like that, uh, which uh, is kind of uh, very racist uh, because uh, people have uh, insinuated that this is a uh, an allusion to uh, George Lucas's racism against a certain subset of the population. Wow, known as the Jewish people. Mm. So that is why we're gonna kick him out. I don't want to hear about it no more. Let's kick him out. He has a, his homeworld is Toy Daria. How do you come up with that? <laughs> I don't know. How do you even come up with that, George? Oh man, yeah. He's let's... probably he's probably in Pittsburgh. So I wish uh, toys over there. Like Toy Daria. Like, <laughs> just writing it down. Toy, like, this is solid Toy gold. Daria. Yeah. This is gold. We gotta get more Yinzers around. <laughs> more Yinzers. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. So let's give him the boot. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Well, that is that is all the time we have this week on Nerd Cyclopedia. All right. We appreciate you guys, you know, taking a listen in. You can catch us on NerdCyclopedia.com or, you know, check out the website, NerdCyclopedia.com. Um, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at NerdCyclopedia and email us at NerdCyclopediaPodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. Get on iTunes. Leave us a review. And if it's not five stars, so help me. <laughs> I will show up at your place of work. And while everybody's watching, I'm going to give you the business. The business. I hope you were looking forward to the business. Give it to him, Scott. Give him what? <laughs> the business. The business. <laughs> That's all we give. That's all we got at Encyclopedia's business. All right, guys. We'll see you when we see you. Take it out, crazy man.